This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, great to be with you. And Bridget, most people, not everybody yet, but most people have a computer at home now. And uh, most people, I think, probably get, you know, feeling pretty comfortable about, oh, just jump on, uh, get some information, jump on, order something online and everything like that. And actually, in fact, I have to, I think I was just describing myself as a matter of fact, but uh, there are some things that people need to be worried about because it's not perfectly safe. Yeah, well, today we're going to be talking about um, cybersecurity and how to keep yourself safe and your parish safe from cyber attacks. And here to tell us about this topic is Deacon Ron Perot. He is the Chief Information Officer at the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and he also um, is, on, is on the Indiana Executive Council for Cybersecurity for the State of Indiana Department of Homeland Security. So welcome to Faith in Action, Deacon Ron. Uh, thank you very much, Bridget. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Tell us a little bit about the uh, office that you have there at the Archdiocese. What chief information officer, what duties, uh, that, what areas that covers? Well, yeah, th- thanks, Jim, for asking. The uh, responsibilities that I have are mainly for overseeing all the information systems, information technologies, and telecommunication systems for the Archdiocese of the Indianapolis Administrative Service Center. A lot of people know it as the Catholic Center. So we're a lot of our central services where we serve our parish schools and ministries, uh, all the systems that support their efforts are, are there. And then also um, some of the other ministry sites, uh, I have responsibility for those as well. Um, Archbishop's residence, uh, our vicar general uh, residence for, for their communications and telecommunications, Bishop Simon Brute, uh, Fatima Retreat Center, and uh, the Catholic Charities Ministries. We have varying degrees of support we're doing to help those operations run because those are all centrally connected to the uh, Catholic Center and in our networks there. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that we have uh, I have direct responsibility oversight. Now that that's really important, I think, because uh, each of those ministries have their own ministry that they're responsible uh, to do, and the less they have to think about things like cybersecurity and things like that, the more time they can devote to their ministry. So it, it makes good sense to have an office that kind of oversees and kind of uh, looking out for them. Yeah, and, and one other thing I was just going to comment is in longer term, we're going to help setting best practices, procedures, policies to help the parishes, schools, and ministries, because many of them, you know, they all operate like their own small business, Mm -hmm. um, and they have their own networks and things of that nature, and they need help and guidance. They're they're all trying to do their best, but what what are they focused on? They're focused on educating students, uh, ministering in the churches, providing uh, charitable services at at those uh, charity sites, and uh, the more we can help them with that, the less they have to worry about information security. I want you to talk about what, maybe could you define what cybersecurity is and or cybercrime, maybe the two aspects of those? Yeah, so uh, 
there's a organization that I referenced uh, that provides a lot of resources, um, the uh, Center for Infrastructure and uh, Security, CISA. It's a federal government organization, but uh, they've been working a lot with the Department of Homeland Security here in Indiana. Uh, cybersecurity is the art of being able to protect uh, network devices and data from being an authorized access by criminals. And uh, it's the process you use to ensure the security and confidentially, confidentiality of all the information that's on those networks. Is there any- right now, it seems like everything we do is on the computer or the Internet. We have our smartphones or tablets, uh, desktop computers, laptops, and everything we process from healthcare information to online banking to credit card <laughs> information, it's all on, on those systems and providing the mechanisms to help prevent people accessing that information is the art of cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, uh, Deacon Ron, as far that, that is actually hack-proof that uh, a system, uh, whether it's the church or government or whatever, a system that can't be hacked today? No, there's not. Uh, it, it's always trying to uh, stay one step ahead of the cyber criminals. So you can put your best defenses against it, but there seems like there's always going to be some sort of a, a crack in the wall that, that somehow they're going to get in. Now, are, are most of the uh, cyber criminals individuals working from their basement trying to make a buck by swindling somebody out of some money? Or are some of them... Uh, larger companies or organizations? Um, so, so there are some of those, uh, what I'll just call hackers, that are trying to get into systems um, in their basement, like it, what you mentioned. But there are syndicated crime uh, elements that are focused on cybersecurity. And uh, if we think of organized crime in the traditional sense, they're just trying to make money doing illegal activities where you can get the most money. And there are, on the Internet, known cyber, uh, I'll, I'll say cyber gangs, things of that nature, that are imparting uh, activities to try to hack into systems. The other thing that is out there is uh, nation states. Oh. So North Korea, uh, China, Russia, uh, they are diligently trying to break into systems and not only like our government systems they're going after businesses and individuals because they know that their systems are probably less likely protected than a government institution that's really fascinating uh we're talking with deacon ron perot and he is the chief information officer for the archdiocese of indianapolis and i want i want you to talk a little bit about your background you're a deacon but you have um some experience with this area of cybersecurity. Uh, talk about your background, and, and um, you know more than just theology, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, uh, most of my career has been spent in information systems, information technologies, and telecommunications. I'm an electrical engineer by my undergraduate training. Uh, did about five years of engineering but that's right when computers were just starting to come onto the scene. If we all remember the 
uh, original Apple computers and the original uh, IBM PC that came out, and I was uh, kicking and screaming, didn't want to have anything to do with computers, but my first couple of jobs, it was use these for the purposes of, uh, you know, implementing systems for manufacturing or quality assurance. And uh, probably for about 25 years before coming to the Archdiocese, I was involved in working for companies that were either providing operational support in those areas. I worked for about 20-plus years for companies that were selling products and services in those areas. And uh, when I came to the Archdiocese, I originally came here uh, doing fundraising and development for Catholic charities because I had a sales background. But my sales background was primarily in, were in all these systems that we use for the use of computers and telecommunications and the Internet. I want to get to the threats. What are the biggest threats or vulnerabilities that people need to be aware of either? Um, let's just do individual persons or maybe businesses before we get to parishes, and they may all be the same thing. Well, the, the threats that, that people have to worry about is somehow having um, something that gets into your computer, and it's often referred to as malware. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can infiltrate your computer, and it can erase your entire system. So just imagine people saving all their digital photos for the last 10 years and losing all of those. Um, getting into a system and altering files. So maybe you have some very sensitive documents that you have personally that you've created. Maybe it's directions for your children and relatives uh, with your last wishes and all your financial information and people getting in and and, and altering those. Um, Getting into your computer and use it as a launch point to attack others. So, you know, how would you feel if you found out someone infiltrated your computer and used that to attack others uh, for malicious attacks because they somehow got into your system because it wasn't secured. And, you know, one of the things that hits people right in the pocketbook is stealing your financial information, so credit card information, banking information, uh, and and those are kind of the the summary, I think, the main threats that we have. Now, there used to be a lot of uh, scam things of uh, somehow or another someone would break into my email, and all of a sudden, my email address book would be sending out whatever notice that person sent me. Usually, uh, send money. I need help. Uh, I'm stuck in jail and left my wallet at home. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. Is, is that still a prevalent uh, scheme? That's probably the number one scheme, Jim. Is that people um, have very insecure passwords. And a hacker will get in to an account and take that whole list, and then it's coming. An email is coming from somebody who is trusted, and they may say, "Hey, I'm stuck here over in, you know, China on a business trip, and I've lost my wallet. Can you please wire me some money so I can get back?" And you're seeing, well, that's that person's email address. I know them. I trust them, and that's one thing that that is very prevalent today. And I think that there was a scam, um, I think we talked about maybe last year when we were had you on the show about something to do with involving um, 
someone from the parish, like maybe uh, they they steal a priest's e- email address or a um, you know a person in leadership in the church, and and they were saying you know so and so needs this. C- can you am I remembering that correctly? You are remembering correctly, but I want to kind of restate what you said. They're not. Sure. They're not. You said stealing their email address, but what they're actually doing is they're going in and creating an email address using a service like Gmail or Yahoo, one of those free services, and they're impersonating a pastor, archbishop, someone of that nature. Okay. And what happens is, you know, somebody can create, you know, Father Bob Smith at St. Mary's, um, or Father Bob Smith St. Mary's at gmail.com, mm-hmm. and they can create that email address, and then many times the criminal will go out and they'll scour the parish website to find all the email addresses they can find on the website. So they might look at bulletins, they might look at just pages on the website that reference maybe a ministry volunteer, and then they'll harvest those credentials, and they'll use that fake email address that is imposing as the pastor and saying, hey, my nephew... uh, really likes music, and if you can get me some iTunes cards, that would be very helpful because his birthday is coming up. And there will be a link in there, and what it will do, it will go to, like, a PayPal site, and it will just go uh, to fund that criminal's pocketbooks. And very unsuspecting people uh, are very fond of their pastors and things of that nature, and they're like, oh, I want to help them out. Mm -hmm. And that's really what happens. We need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, how you can um, be safe when you're out there surfing the, the Internet. And um, stay tuned for more Faith in Action. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Eyre. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we're talking with Deacon Ron Perot. He's the Chief Information Officer for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and we're talking about cybersecurity. And Ron, uh, uh, Deacon Ron, i uh, question that kind of comes to my mind a lot it's not a new term anymore it was maybe five years ago or so and that is the cloud and it used to be that if i did something on my computer whatever i did stayed on my computer and you had to get into my computer to uh, to harm it or to steal my information or things but now so many programs send things out to the cloud and so we even though you're working on your computer the data isn't stored in your computer. It's going to the cloud, wherever that is, and comes back, and you manipulate it, and then you store it back in the cloud, again, wherever that is. How safe is working in the cloud, and what is the cloud? Yeah, so what, what the cloud is is a collection of computers that are housed in a very secure facility that uh, protects environmental, protects physical access, and protects the electrical systems and the Internet that supports those computers so it stays up and runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So they, they really are just computers in these highly secure locations. 
and usually companies that provide a service that's on the cloud has their computers in multiple buildings spread throughout uh, a very wide geography. And these buildings are known as data centers, but uh, probably the largest cloud services provider is Microsoft. Probably behind them, it's, it's Amazon and then Google. So they, uh, you know, familiar names, but they build these infrastructures with computers and uh, as many people are using them today for all these services, uh, it facilitates a lot of commerce. Uh, it helps out a lot of businesses because they don't have to invest in it. And if you look at it, they're going to have a lot more expertise, a lot more money, a lot more uh, secure practices that they'll put in place because they just have thousands and thousands of people to do that versus a small business who might have uh, maybe one person part-time that's focused on IT or maybe hires a, a company uh, that outsources it. Uh, leveraging those in the cloud is probably going to be a safer computer practice than having your own. But there's a caveat I'll put on that. Um, when, whenever you use a cloud service, the one thing that you, you will want to ask if you're especially a business is do they have it, their practices audited, and there's a special uh, type of an audit. It's called a SOC 2. It's a little bit technical term, but if you are contracting a business uh, cloud service, you'll want to ask those type of things. I got to ask you about social media because the last show that we did, you'd mentioned TikTok was a kind of a danger. Um, and I know that, you know, we've learned in, you know, recent months and maybe the last couple years, you know, how Facebook does data mine and we're not telling their users that they were, you know, using all that information. Um, now, what, what about social media? Are there some platforms that, that are just red flags for security? And should people be using that or any, any safe ones or ones that you would steer people away from that you're aware of? Well, anytime you're using social media, you have to remember whatever you put out there, that's not your own private data. You have to go and read all the fine print when you sign up for those services and yeah. realize that you are giving something up. So uh, it's up to the judgment of the individual of how much information that they want to share publicly, and they need to kind of do their own due diligence on reading that fine print, but then also exercising the settings they have to keep things private. So, you know, there's some things that are that are just blatantly um, going after getting our data. The one I talked about last year with TikTok, you know, I would definitely stay away from that. It's The Chinese government isn't involved in that, and there are some practices that they just do not have the same moral uh, understanding that say we do in this country and you have to be very cautious of those things so i would always just say to people if you're using social media be cautious and realize what you're getting into because if you're using it for free you're giving up some rights you're that's a great information that's a great point um some best practices uh maybe like what's a vpn um should we all have them and uh maybe how often should we be changing our passwords right and I've got a couple of those I want to cover, but I did want to mention a couple of resources yeah. that are out there. Sure. So uh, if you just do a search for Indiana cybersecurity, mm -hmm. um, you will find the state of Indiana's cybersecurity hub. 
and it's a really easy one to remember. It's www.in.gov slash cybersecurity. So you could even just put that in or do a search. They've got a lot of resources for consumers, businesses, schools, and the like. Um, and that's a one good one that I would, I would reference. Um, there, there is another one for the, it's a little bit longer, but if you just use the acronym CISA and do a search on that, CISA.gov, that's the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. That's a federal government organization, and they have a lot of good resources. Um, from that CISA.gov uh, website, uh, I did have a list of the best practices. So some of the things you really want to make sure that you do is to keep your software up to date on your phones, your tablets, your computers. Um, many times there's the ability to do automatic updates. I would turn those on. Um, some people are a little bit leery about that, um, like when the iPhone does an update. I don't have the automatic updates turned on, but I get the notice, and I always kind of look at it and try to wait maybe a short period of time, maybe a week, 10 days, before I implement that to hear if there's any bugs. Changing your passwords. You asked about that. Uh, the most important thing people can do is to have a password that is at least 16 or more characters in length. So kind of the old standard was eight characters in length and then use like an uppercase, lowercase number, and a special character. And we'd come up with these passwords that were just crazy to remember. But now it's the longer length, and you use what's called a passphrase. So you may have, like, um, your favorite Bible verse. Mm -hmm. You might want to do, like, in the beginning. Okay? Oh, mm -hmm. That comes right from Genesis. Mm -hmm. And you could use that as your passphrase. And the good thing to do that will change uh, the passwords that you use is to use a common passphrase, but then append something at the end relative to the service that you're using. Oh. So if you're using, if you have an account with, say, Chase for credit card, do in the beginning, and then some sort of symbol like a dash, and then put Chase, and maybe another character, and you kind of use that as your default for a password. So that makes it long because the longer they are the longer it takes to crack, and that's been a recommendation coming out now very frequently. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is a practice that people can use is anytime you're in a public place with Wi-Fi, um, if you have another way to connect to the Internet, don't use public Wi-Fi. But if you're using a public Wi-Fi, like you know, go to the public library, you use what's called a VPN. That stands for Virtual Private Network. And what that does is that is a thing uh, that provides a shell around all your data that encrypts it and protects it from being uh, hacked into as it goes into those public Wi-Fi hotspots. Also, don't connect a Wi-Fi hotspot if you don't know exactly what it is. Um, so usually if you're like in a fast food chain or library or something, it has a name associated with that place that you're with, and those can even be malicious ones too, because somebody can spoof. But you know, don't connect to you know Joe's Big Machine. Uh, <laughs> that pops up in the Wi-Fi. You know yeah. that that would not be a safe one. 
Um, change your passwords, I would say, at least if you're using that long uh, 16 characters or more, change them once every six months to a year. Okay. Okay. And Ron, one uh, we're running uh, close on time here, but probably a very common thing that people run into seems like no matter uh, at home or at work is the what I call the fake virus, where all of a sudden your screen locks up, blue screen, red screen, flashing screen, sometimes noise. It says you've contact contact uh, contracted a virus. Call us immediately, and we'll tell you how to fix it. What should people do when they get that? Well, probably the first thing that they should do is to, if they have the ability to, is disconnect their computer from the Internet. Uh, so either if they have it connected with an Ethernet cable that, that you're connected to your, um, your router for your Wi-Fi, but many people have uh, Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. is to just go down and kind of the lower right-hand corner, if you have a Windows or the upper screen of a Mac, and disconnect the Wi-Fi because you want to connect it, disconnect it from anything more malicious happening to your computer. Um, if you don't have the ability to do either one of those two, is to just power your device down, and that would prevent any malicious activity. But do not, absolutely do not call any phone number that flashes up in the screen because that is absolutely a scam. I've known multiple people that have fallen for that. I've known people lost money for that. Don't, don't do it at all. We are just about out of time. Um, could we have a blessing? Would you give our audience a blessing before we go? And then I'll get that website one more time, too, before we leave. All right. The Lord be with you. With and your with your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God send his blessing upon you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And Ron, one of the reasons we had you on and we wanted to talk about, we didn't get to as much as we wanted to, is for parishes and schools. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know a lot about this. If a parish or school uh, has some concerns about that and wants to reach you, how do they do that? Uh, They can reach out to me by going to the um, Archdiocese of Indianapolis website. If they go to the finance section and information systems office is listed there so just archindy.org and uh, finance and look for information systems my phone number is listed there and as well uh, resources for parishes and schools we didn't talk a lot about that we're we're actually working on those and we'll be putting them on a resource on the archdiocese but a lot of them will be based on those resources that are at the Indiana Cybersecurity Center. And again, that website was uh, www.in.gov slash cybersecurity. And also the website uh, from the Department of uh, Federal Government is called CISA, C-I-S-A dot gov. And that's the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. Deacon Ron Perot, a Chief Information Officer for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Thanks so much for being our guest today. God bless. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Stay safe online, right? That's the message. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please call us at 317-870-8400. 
or email jim at catholicradioindy.org.